Welcome! You found the Out of the Ordinary podcast, where we believe that the very best stories grow out of the soil of ordinary life. I'm Lisa Jo Baker. And I'm Christy Purifoy. And a few of my favorite ordinary summer things are roses in my garden, a dash through the lawn sprinkler, and fresh corn on the cob, grilled. And a few of mine are watermelons so sweet that the juice runs down your face and stains your elbows, campfires that smell of sweet pine cones, and vanilla-flavored iced coffee with cream that can crack any face into a grin. We hope these conversations help you see the extra hidden right in plain sight in your ordinary life, too. Get comfy. Here we go. Here on the Out of the Ordinary podcast, (laughs) if you've been a long-time listener, you know that we love to talk about daily rhythms, yearly routines and rhythms, and just the uh, very ordinary patterns that give shape to our days and and give life and meaning to our days. So, Lisa Jo, I, uh, I know now what my fall rhythm is going to look like. Every day at 10.10, from 10.10 to 10.20, I will have recess. (laughs) And I will have my lunch break at precisely 11.40. Nice. And it will last until noon. (laughs) There will be a brief uh, potty break at 1 p.m. Oh, nice. Yes, yes. I will uh, wrap up that portion of my day at (laughs) 2.10. And then my day, (laughs) my work day will begin at 2.10. And uh, the reason I'm, I'm saying it this way is that this week we received uh, the email schedules for our children's virtual schooling. And uh, while my older boys will, I hope, Lord, please, <laughs> I hope, be able to manage their time and their schedule and get set up for their, their Zoom calls. Breaks. Right, right. Their potty breaks and their <laughs> the rest of it. Uh, I do have a second grader. She'll be in second grade. And um, and so she, I'll, I know I'll be, you know, right there by her side. And it'll be my job, really, to keep her on track to make sure at 1010 that she does get up from the computer and <laughs> <laughs> go do some recess. So I'm joking, but I'm crying inside. Are you crying a on the bit? inside? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Seems be appropriate. Here. Yes. Yeah, I will just say, you know, if any anyone local is listening, gosh, I love our local school. I'm so grateful for our teachers and our community there. They're amazing. And I actually do feel really good about the schedule they sent. I, I, I love schedules, actually. So seeing it kind of in black and white and seeing the flexibility they've built in, I, I do feel good about it. But yeah, still crying inside a little bit to know that... This is a schedule I will keep with my child while also trying to do my usual workload, right? That's a lot. It's a lot. And yeah, and I and I don't know I cannot say today that I have what it takes. I'm feeling like maybe I don't have what it takes. Mm. I think a lot <laughs> so, of people are feeling that way even if yeah. they don't have a second grader. I think whether they have kids that they're trying to do online school with or they have kids in college who have this new adjustment or they're just themselves trying to figure out, like, what does it look like to continue working? Do I work from home? Do I go into the office? I know there are a lot of people, too, who are trying to balance, you know, if 
kids have online school, but they're supposed to be back in an office working like that tension seems completely insurmountable. I don't know what you're supposed to do about that. So I just think like not knowing what to do feels like Mm -hmm. (laughs) like the Mm -hmm. zeitgeist of our age right now where we're all like, I don't know how to do this. You know, one thing that I've been thinking about this week um, is just how tired I feel and and that this is normal. This is, I think, to be expected, um, goodness, what, five, six, how many months? I've lost track. How many months into this pandemic of our lives being very different and of being in a kind of crisis mode, right? Mm-hmm. You know, nationally, internationally, uh, many communities are in a crisis mode. And I think, and we'll talk a little bit about that today, on a much more personal and family level. Many of us are in a crisis mode as we um, help our children or our grandchildren navigate these very different ways of living. Or, um, you know, if we're uh, in a workplace and we help our coworkers and, and the people we're responsible for navigate these changes, we're all in different ways in a kind of crisis mode. And I'll tell you, Lisa Joe, I feel like I do really well in crisis mode. I stay calm. I stay focused. Um, there's a little part of me even that that feels good and feels strong, but only for a while. Right. <laughs> Not I was going to say, <laughs> crisis mode the whole time or at the beginning? <laughs> Just at the beginning. So I feel like I did really well and I have been doing pretty well just in terms of staying calm and staying focused and, um, uh, you know, trying to meet the needs of the situation for myself and my kids and, and my community and so on. Um, but as summer has gone on, and now as we're coming to the end of summer, I have real recognized, I think, just how fatigued I feel. So we've talked in other episodes, you know, as we're kind of grappling with the the new shape of our ordinary lives <laughs> in this pandemic. We've talked about loss, and we've talked about fear. Um, we've talked about a lot of things, and I don't know if we have yet just talked about plain old tiredness and exhaustion. But that, more than anything, I think is what I'm feeling here at the end of summer, just very, very tired. And um, that would be okay. I could go rest, take a nap, (laughs) except that summer is ending, school is about to start, and I have a sense that whatever we're stepping into will require a lot of me. Mm -hmm. But here I am, Mm -hmm. utterly emptied Mm -hmm. and frankly exhausted. So I read this article this week, uh, let's see. Uh, gosh, I forget now who shared it with me. Oh no, I remember a, a good friend of mine from Chicago days, Jessica, texted me and said just this. <laughs> <laughs> and I tell you, it was one of those articles where um, I almost didn't have to read it. <laughs> I just read, you know, I did eventually, and it was very helpful. But I, just the headline. So the headline of this article um, online is uh, "Your surge capacity," and that's in quotes. Your surge capacity is depleted. It's why you feel awful. <laughs> There you and go. I, I knew, I knew when I read it. Like, 2020 this, in a nutshell. Yes, this, this. And I could, I could feel it. Yes, I could see how in March, I, like a battery, surged up to handle the unprecedented situation, right? And I have been going on that charge for months now. And my battery has run out. Mm-hmm. It's time to plug in, I guess. But how to do that? I don't know. So I could just, you know, yeah, reading this article just gave me language, I think, to understand how I'm feeling. And I, I share it today. And I, I just want to, I think, trade stories and hear how you're doing and um, consider this with our listeners, because I am 
pretty sure that I'm not alone. Mm-hmm. And if it, it really, that was the other main thing I got out of the article is that, oh, this is a thing that lots of people are experiencing. So, um, yet again, I don't have the answers. Mm-hmm. I don't have the solution. But I have a feeling if, as friends, you and I trade stories, we talk it through, I'm hopeful that we will talk our way to some kind of hope, maybe. Mm -hmm. Well, I think there's power in naming things. So you and I love words and we love names. And I think there's real power in putting a name to an experience that you're having and then Mm -hmm. recognizing it's a shared experience. So you're not alone in it. And when you, when I saw that article come across from when you shared it and I read the title, um, what I thought when I was thinking about fatigue and how I feel right now and you know, as opposed to how I felt in March, where I had that initial surge, mm-hmm. it really reminded me a lot of my early days of parenthood. Because I remember when you're pregnant and then you have the baby, you're really on a high in every way, like adrenaline, endorphins, like you're connecting with this newborn, everybody's so excited, everything is new. And you've like lived through a battle, it feels like, you know, however you gave birth or whether you've been waiting all these years to adopt a child, like there's just that big high of the moment of this new person coming into your life. And then the months Mm. and months of (laughs) sleeplessness set in and the puke and the diapers and it's not romantic and it's not pretty and it's just bone crushingly exhausting And I have looked around at my life the last two weeks, and I felt like, why is this familiar? Like, this experience I'm having feels like something I've had before. And I finally put my finger on it, and I said, this is how I felt, like, six months into having a newborn, you know? Like, this sort of haze of exhaustion, where it's hard to make decisions, I'm struggling to pay attention, it's very, I have like tunnel vision. It's hard to feel creative or that there's going to be like ever an end in sight. Like you start to feel like you'll never sleep again. Yeah. And it just, it distracts me from, in my case, like sometimes I feel like then this fear that I'm going to miss something important that's happening with my kids or in their lives because I feel so out of it. I remember when we had our third baby at the time, like having this constant worry, like, are my other kids healthy? Like, did someone like, I remember like seasons of our lives, like Jackson's a great example. So there's Jackson, our oldest. When I had Zoe, so Jackson must have been five or six at the time, my mother-in-law came to visit and she said to me, hey, I think Jackson is struggling to see, like I think he might need an eye checkup. And I like, it was the lost thing on my mind. I was just trying to survive these three kids and I couldn't even handle, I was like, mom, I don't have it in me to like take him to a pediatrician or even an ophthalmologist for a five-year-old. Like, where do you, I, I didn't, I literally didn't have the capacity and she kept bugging me. I finally took him to the pediatrician and they said his eyes were fine. And I remember telling her, they said, he's fine. And I felt like, oh, I checked that off my list. It's done. I don't have to think about it again. But she insisted, and she's been a school teacher for like 20 years, and she said, I look at kids in their eyes every single day. I'm telling you, like, I think he has to, you have to go find a pediatric ophthalmologist. Oh, my word. I was so resentful toward her. I just thought, <laughs> like, are you insane? Like, how am I going to do? I don't I don't have the capacity to do it. And I put it off for ages. She would call. She would text. Have you done it? Have you done it? And it was that thing. I was operating in just uh, like a fog of exhaustion and distraction is how it felt. Like I felt like there was a lot happening in my life every day and yet, yet nothing was moving forward. You know, it just, yeah. it's like it was just going in a, a circle like over and over. 
But when we got him to the pediatric ophthalmologist, he has a severe astigmatism in both eyes and a lazy eye in his left eye that needed to be corrected with special glasses. It was like a whole thing. That moment marked me. And i that's the kind of fear I experience where like, I'm too tired. I'm going in circles. I'm going to miss something because of this. And that is how I would describe the last few weeks for me. And my kids are teenagers now, but at the same time, I have like this low-grade awareness that I'm not paying attention to how they are doing in the way I would if I didn't feel like so completely empty. So that feels scary for me. And that is exactly what I think I took from that article. So I've passed the surge where I was kind of like the mom who's going to save the day and lift the car off her kids and you know rescue them. <laughs> yeah. And now I'm just like lying here on the ground. <laughs> I can't get up <laughs> and I can't see if my kids are okay either. And it's scary to admit that, but that's kind of where I'm at right now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yes, I'm just nodding, nodding. Okay. <laughs> I'm also realizing, wow. So you've helped me think about the fact that you know, not only are we, so we're facing hard times, but we're bringing into these hard times and these, you know, personal experiences like past, like our history, right? Yeah, so you're bringing yeah. into it that that moment, that time when you didn't have capacity and Jackson really needed you. Um, I'm just realizing, oh gosh, yeah, that's why, um, just to get particular here, you know, the the reason for the crisis is a a, a kind of scary virus. <laughs> right. And I'm also, I'm marked because we're a family where my kids have asthma and I have asthma. I'm marked personally by these, a number of instances, but one in particular, when um, we were first realizing that um, asthma was going to be really hard for my son Thaddeus, he was two and he got sick and I was home with him all that day and he was really struggling, but I didn't realize and, you know, I'm the one with asthma, I should have known, but it looks different in very little kids. And when my husband came home, he took one look at him and took him right into the pediatrician. They got to the pediatrician and the pediatrician said, are you going to drive him over or am I calling an ambulance? Like he was that bad. Mm. Well, I have been marked forever <laughs> by this yeah. sense that my child could be near death and I wouldn't even know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that I'm laughing, but again, it's crying true. inside. Right. Like, that has marked me intensely. So... So I'll, I'll just say that, you know, we're dealing with a, a crisis um, that is really hard. But the one thing I, I also am dealing with is the fact that I really, really don't want my kids to get sick. So as hard as it is to, um, you know, think about managing my own work and keeping them home, my personal story is one where I also really want to protect them from a virus that could be harder in our family because we're already on, um, you know, all these lung maintenance. You know, we're already taking all the breathing medicines, right? Right. right. <laughs> so, you know, the things that other people take when they get a virus, we're already taking those. So, you know, you add in these like personal layers mm -hmm. of, of a crisis that, you know, different, I want to just say different flavors of a crisis. That means that, you know, the things that are really challenging for me or for you, we just know they're just going to be different for other people based on our own stories. And again, it's just helpful to name that, right. just to name it and say, oh, this is part of what I'm feeling. This is right. part of why you know, the history I'm bringing to this. And again, it's not a solution. I just know like, oh yeah, I, I, I carry that baggage of worrying about my kid's health and feeling like at any moment something could come out and, you know, they they won't be able to breathe and, and I won't, you know, have what it takes to, to help them out. So there's that. But there's also... <laughs> the things, like the rocks we stand on, the, thing, the things we're anchored in, right? So last week we talked about returning to some practices 
actually discovering some new practices. So for me, it was returning to daily yoga. Right. For you, it was like picking up this new thing of jogging, <laughs> which actually I want to say for you is a return as well, because we've done an episode where you were like high school track star, right? I know. I know. Yeah. My knees. So, I wish they could remember those days, right. <laughs> but they do not. <laughs> so we can return to these things that anchor us. And last week we talked about exercise. And I feel like I just need to, I owe, oh, I may be putting on a spot here, Lisa Joe. We did not prepare this. Don't feel like you have to answer this question, but I feel like I want to tell our listeners, I've done yoga every day since. I have so, too. Um, yeah. So I, you've been I, running I too. Confess, okay. so on Sunday, I took Sabbath. I didn't run on mm-hmm. Sunday. But other than that, um, I have every morning and I have laughed and loved all the comments I've had <laughs> from so <laughs> many people who are like, thank you. Like, I, you know, for setting the bar so low, Lisa Joe. <laughs> like, that's my goal in life to just set it as low as possible so that I have a chance of clearing it. And in those practices have helped, I will say, clear the fog is how I would describe it. So for me, so if you're wondering and you haven't heard it, go back and listen to last week's episode called Know Your Limits. That's about not trying to push past no limits, but know your limits when it comes to exercise. But for me, the daily new habit of running a very short distance every day, though, before I start the day has helped me with the fog. Because when I wake up in the morning and I feel already like, oh, I'm not starting anything new. I'm just here's the circle and I'm in it. Yeah, yeah. Something about running is jarring. It jars me out of that. And it makes me feel like I made a decision today that I took control over and I changed something, right? I changed my motion. I sweat. I listened to powerful worship or a funny podcast or a deep podcast. And for some reason, it allows me to have more sense of ownership over the day from the beginning and helps blow off some of that low-lying fog is how it feels to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. And I, I think it's really good to like return in this episode because these stories are connected. <laughs> They're not disconnected. Like here we are. Mm. I feel almost feel like you know, sometimes we do a podcast series. Like I love the series we did um, early in those quarantine days where we did the home series and we right. looked at our, you know, each room in our house and how we were trying to see it with new eyes. We haven't officially called these latest conversations a series, but in a way, I think I think we could. <laughs> right. <laughs> okay. Now we're now we're doing some kind of series late. Uh, late in this pandemic experience as summer turns into fall and we're navigating these changes. And here you and I are just trying to talk through like, wow, how how are we going to make it? And what do we have to offer our listeners? So one thing I've been returning to really just out of desperation is scripture. And I'll, I'll say that, you know, scripture is always a part of my life. Absolutely. But again, being in the state of fatigue and just really depleted, I, I feel like my prayers have started to been like, sound more like, God, give me something. <laughs> like get, I need some verse to hold on to. Some, I need something where I feel like it's not just me going to my Bible and looking for something that sounds helpful, but me going to my Bible and hearing from you personally. Mm. Like, I need that kind of hope. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, the really cool thing is, uh, you know, over these years of, of living as a Christian and following Jesus, there have been these moments of really personal, what feel to me, it's hard to put them into words, right? But what feel like really personal um, connections with God, where I feel like God himself just sort of hands me something to hold on to. So, I have felt like I need, I need that. But this week, Lisa Joe, I feel like I was given something. And of course, when you have an experience like this, 
almost immediately you're tempted to say, uh, yeah, that wasn't discount. real. <laughs> yeah. I'm making it up. I'm just right. so desperate, you know, that right. I'll like hold on to anything or believe anything. So when that when that voice comes, I just say, nope, nope, nope. I'm just going to choose to believe that this was that this was real and and just keep holding on, keep holding on, and see where it leads me. So the thing I've been holding on to this week actually came through. I was I picked up an old book from a, a friend of mine, Kim Highland, um, who's also a writer and someone I've has visited me here at the Black Barn. And um, I think her book is called An Imperfect Woman. Anyway, I picked it up again. Oh, I was um, cleaning off bookshelves. It just, yeah, that was as simple as that. I was cleaning off some bookshelves. I, you know, I moved her book to dust it and, and flipped through it again. So I'm flipping through the book and I came across her ex, her reminder that this super familiar verse in Philippians 4 that says, let's see, in verse 6, we all know verse 6. Do not be anxious about anything, right? But in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. I was I was probably tiny when I first memorized that verse with with the help of my parents. Um, but in her book, she reminded me to like back up a little bit. And what you hear right before the little six, which we've put into the Bible, right? Like the Bible wasn't right. written with verse, you know, right. numbers. Um, but the words that come right before do not be anxious are these. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything. Mm. Some translations say the Lord is at hand. Mm. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious. And I felt like when I read that, I was like, oh, that sounds like good news. <laughs> that sounds like something I could hold on to. Not the do not be anxious, which frankly to me sounds like one more wagging finger, one more right. to do, one more voice saying you're not doing it right. Look at you, so worried, so tired. What's wrong with you? Get it together. Like, that's what just the words do not be anxious feel like to me. I want to talk back to them. I want to say, are you <laughs> kidding me? I have like a million reasons to feel tired right. and worried. Right. <laughs> I have actual reasons to feel tired and worried. But backing up and reading first, the Lord is at hand. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious. Mm. I felt like what I was hearing was a voice saying, you don't have to be worried because I'm here and I've got this. I've got this. I'm here. Mm. I'm here. I've got this. I'm I'm ready. I, I feel like, I, you know, I'm reading into it now, but I felt like, I, you know, I'm ready to act. I'm ready to show up. Mm. I am here. I am not far. And then it felt like, not like, oh, I'm not supposed to worry or be anxious, but I don't, I don't have to because some, someone else, bigger, stronger, <laughs> is here. It's almost like, oh, the adult has showed up. I don't have to be the adult. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? So I just keep going back to that this week and just holding on to it. Oh, yes. Okay. When I feel like I cannot imagine what it will look like or where the strength will come to sit with my second grader through her Zoom calls and make sure that she doesn't have technology problems and doesn't accidentally mute her microphone and, you know, the battery on her little headset we got her doesn't wear out. And if, she, you know, whatever that I can't picture what it'll be like to, to be with her through that and then, and then get my work done. Mm. Um, when I start to worry about that, I, this week, at least I've just stopped myself and said, ah, the Lord is at hand. That's I don't so know what good. he's going to do, but the Lord <laughs> I is don't at know hand. how he's going to help, but he's here. Okay. I'll sit back. I'll wait. So yeah, scripture, that that verse in particular is, yeah. is something I've been just trying to anchor myself in this week. 
Yeah. I had a similar experience this week where I felt like, um, it's funny, I it's kind of this idea of a new hope, you know, like that's what we're both looking for, a new hope, because mm-hmm. the old ones we're used to aren't there anymore. Yes. So, of course, yeah. I'm thinking of Star Wars, right? Like mm-hmm. the, the episode called A New Hope, where Luke Skywalker shows up. Um, but I, too, have felt desperate for new hope. And I was listening to... Um, a podcast that was so helpful to me, you know, you and I both love Ian Morgan Cron and his podcast Typology. And there's an episode he does with Dr. Kurt Thompson, who is a psychologist and a counselor and who talks a lot about shame and like how we manage shame. And he has an amazing book called The Soul of Shame. And it's incredibly powerful. Like I just recommend it to anyone who has been beating up on themselves in the season for how they feel like they should be doing better. But he tells a story on that podcast that really helped me this week because, you know, Christy and I, we come here with our stories, um, but please know, like, beyond concerns about, you know, getting our kids on Zoom, we are both dealing with very difficult parenting stories the way I'm sure everybody does in different seasons or marriage stories or work stories that aren't really podcast fodder. But that's just contextually, as we're looking for hope, it's because we're trying to navigate really difficult and new situations that no one has had to before. We're raising a generation of kids that this is going to be defining who they are. I think the only things we can compare to in the past are like generations of kids who've lived through, you know, with their parents going off to war. Um, It's just they're going to be marked forever by this experience. And we don't even know psychologically yet all the impacts. So in our family... We've had some very, very difficult weeks, and I was talking to some friends about it, and then I listened to this podcast, and it was such an interesting experience. So, he tells the story about how when Ian Morgan Crone, he's a recovering alcoholic, and he was at an AA meeting, and he said the thing about AA meetings is generally there's nothing new under the sun. When people get up to share the terrible things they've done— Everybody in the room can relate in some way. And so usually after someone gets up and gives their testimony about what their experience has been, people will yell out from the back of the room, like, I hear you, I see you, thank you for sharing, like me too. It's very loud. And he said he was at a meeting one time where a woman got up to share. And what she shared was so shocking and so difficult that when she was finished, the room was like dead silent. Mm -hmm. And he said, it's really awkward because that never happens. And so just some of the elements of what she shared were that she she was a meth addict and in order to get money, she had sold her children and just kind of like went worse from there. Hmm. And so when a room of like, recovering alcoholics and drug addicts is shocked to silence. That says a lot. And Ian said it was very scary because you're kind of sitting there like, oh, no, like, what are we going to do? Like, how do we help this poor person who's just shared this terribly vulnerable, horrifying story dripping in shame and they're trying now to move forward? Well, he said at the back of the room, there was like the 70-something-year-old socialite lady who (laughs) would always, she'd been coming since the very founding of that chapter. So, like, for like 45 years or something, she had always come. And she was like this founding member. Everybody knew her. She's a very big figure in high society as well. And she used to sit in the back of the room smoking like one of those long cigarette (laughs) holders type things. Uh So, she's sitting in the back of the room. She's blowing out smoke. 
And she was raised in that generation that kind of goes to church on Sundays and it's a, a more liturgical, you know, when you grow up in certain churches. And he said, into the silence, into the shocked silence of what this woman had shared, this old biddy from the back of the room says at the top of her lungs, the word of the Lord. And everybody raised in that tradition responds, thanks be to God. Wow. And he said it was so <laughs> powerful because what she essentially was saying is there's nothing that we can say that we have done that Christ hasn't come and hung on the cross and taken all of our shame, all of our grief onto himself. And so when we tell those stories, it is the word of the Lord. And I had shared this story with my friends. And so this week, when we had a really terrible thing, a really bad crisis in our house, I was texting with them and talking to them about it. And at the end, after they'd all shared advice, one of them just typed the word of the Lord, and the other one wrote, thanks be to God. And I just thought, no matter what we're walking through right now, as unprecedented as it seems to us— like Christ is in this, like you say, right? He is at hand. Like he actually is here. This is gospel incarnate. He is with us. Like this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. Can we just stop there? That's yes. good. I, I just <laughs> Thanks be to God. <laughs> That's so good. I've what else is there to say, Lisa Joe? Yeah. We repeat it back to one another so we can remember. I think we have to re-remember over and over again. And it takes it takes yeah. people, even if we're distanced, it takes people to remind us. Thanks be yeah. to God. And maybe just, you know, one, you know, here at the very end of this episode, a, a few thoughts. But I think I, I want to remember. So you and I, we love words and stories. Mm. And we are writers. And yet there's something about the word of the Lord that is... No longer um, black and white ink on a page, but but a truth that is alive and active and present. And so it isn't um, me holding on to this verse or what that woman shared at the meeting. It's not like a band aid on something. It's not. Mm. Um, it's like it really is the sword. It really is the presence. It is the you know every, all the metaphors we see in scripture that talk about scripture. I mean, it's just something strong and alive. And so, I guess I, when that voice comes and says, this isn't enough, Christy, like this isn't real, or this isn't enough to combat like the very real struggles in your home right now, or, or whatever it is, wants to remember like, no, no. <laughs> if even our stories, Lisa Joe, that we trade week after week on the podcast are powerful and life-changing, how much more the word of the Lord, which mm. is alive in ways that that these other stories just never are um so that that does really give me hope Mm. the word of the lord Mm. thanks be to god thanks be to god if you enjoyed today's conversation won't you take a moment right now open up that podcast app and look for the subscribe button right next to our podcast profile image And we think this podcast is best enjoyed with friends. So tell a friend, click share episode in your podcast app and send a friend our link.